Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Hey, adventurers, it's me, Sophie. This episode was made possible by our patrons, J.D. Rose, Daniel Nichols, Haley Munoz, Corey Fouch, Brian Dowling, Storm Cone, and Jolene Fresquez. Join us supporting the show at patreon.com slash Dice Tower Theater, or just tell the next person you see that they should check it out. This episode, we'd like to give a shout out to the Dane Does YouTube channel, where Dane does, well... Anything from unboxing videos to discussing embarrassing moments at the doctor's office. We're wishing him the best as he starts a new series. He's working on a few new series where he learns about tabletop gaming and other fun things to do during quarantine. Last episode, Scott Mayer and I were separated from the group and woke up in the prison, waiting to enter the biggest gladiator arena in the world. Yeah, that sucks. Hey, Sophie. Yeah, Zane? I got your back. Well, even if I'm just a voice in your head. <laughs> we better check in with Soren, though. I think his dad is getting ready to start his terrible parade. Good idea. Dawn of Dragons, Season 4, Episode 3, The Arena. Zoran walked out onto the street. Stroking his chin in anticipation. He hadn't seen his father for 12 years, and just the realization made him feel anxious. The small breakfast of pasty gruel and salted eggs from the inn was trying to make its return. It felt like a hot ember under his quickly beating heart, deep within his chest. His jaw was drawn tight from quaking anger, much like his short bow. He was followed by Erlen and Dabria, who passed him making their way to where they found a place for them in the growing crowd. Not too close to draw attention, and not too far, well, for the same reasons. He felt Benedict place a hand on his shoulder, giving him a quick look of reassurance. This was going to be a horrible reunion. A murmur rolled down the crowd, helping to announce the procession well ahead of the parade. A plume of fire erupted from five multicolored dancers, leading a column of dark armored soldiers marching down the center of the street. The dancers breathed plumes of fire as they juggled both fire and blades, weaving their way to clear a path. Thor noticed they were dressed in colored scales, mimicking five different colored dragons. As the dancers passed, the marching military soon followed some shambling and undisciplined, as opposed to the more senior troops who drove the crowd back from sheer terror. Orcs and men mainly. Immediately following the soldiers rolled an ornate chariot. Oh my 
God. Not in this city. Twelve men clad in dirty rags groaned as they pulled the black and gold platform on lacquered poles across their shoulders, six to a side. Weeping wounds from fresh lash marks graced their backs and bruises marked their once proud cheeks. Two figures stood defiant on the platform. Lord Pallas stood in front with his arms crossed, a cruel smirk crossing his face. To his left, the gaunt man stood icy cold and unmoving. <laughs> That's Dekion. Zorin recognized the dark cleric, the same man who struck down Zane when they were children. Rasped the lead orc, and the crowd repeated back in awe and fear. Where are they going? The. <clears throat> the arena. Zoran noticed a tinge of contempt rolling off her tongue. Wait here. Who knows what possessed Davria's next action? Was it guilt of being one of those executioners of pain for so long? Not fully understanding, but feeling it to be right, Daria hung her head and quietly worked powerful magic, gripping the goat's horn at her neck. Her deity answered. Whether mocking her or not, he answered her. <laughs> she drew from her life force and slowly passed her own essence to the poor men carrying the chariot. They felt the pain leave slowly, but were careful to not show the relief. Dabria's veins grew black from the fingertips like a runaway of infection. Her eyes became jaundiced, and her cheeks sunken. The pain was unbearable, but she welcomed it. Time itself seemed to slow to a crawl. She raised her eyes weakly to see that child from a dream so long ago, her blonde matted tresses softly moving in the wind, her blue eyes that once poured tears cutting paths through her soot-stained cheeks when they last met, were now clear. In fact, as she looked, she saw the girl stronger, beautiful and caring. She held her hands out and smiled. disappeared. Time returned to normal, and Dabria gently wheezed, as to not gain too much attention. I got you. May I help you? No one noticed the paladin hiding in dark armor, calling upon his own god to help heal his comrade. Rising in the morning, Morvana and Isanatha watched the armies clear the camps for the parade. The view from the window of the second floor room they had rented was actually perfect for viewing the army, as well as the horrible temple that was now their destination as they walked across the parched landscape. Cordelia disguised them once again as dark army soldiers. Una. What is this temple for? The Thorn? Or the Prince of Righteous Vengeance? 
Stay close and don't raise any suspicion. Cordelia's spell can only do so much to disguise you. There. See there? We must pass between those two observation towers. The sun was climbing in the morning sky now, behind the clouds. High above the parched landscape leading to the temple, an elven guard leaned over a giant warhorn in the tower. Spotting something, his eyes narrowed before a cruel smile twisted from a corner of his mouth. He motioned for the other guard to see something. Hey, check this out. Is that? Yeah, Mistress Muna. Looks like the seer has some friends with her today, too. Whatever. <laughs> Look at that one, Kelvin. A kid. Oh, <laughs> good for them. Make them work for their gruel, says I. <laughs> they laughed to themselves, thinking the tiny form of Lorvana was simply a servant child. They returned to scanning the horizon. The other guards usually posted would be absent at this time. Una was certain of this. Pallas was arrogant and believed in secrets guarding themselves. They entered the great hall of worship. A dark wooden throne now perched on the dais where once sat an ancient altar. A deep echo as they walked seemed to amplify their footsteps, no matter how they tried to muffle them. I know it's back here. Once behind the throne itself, Una felt the wall behind the crimson velvet that was draped there. Ah! Just as she remembered the door, which matched the wall so perfectly, swung open. Inside was a large hall. No visible doorway marked the four walls. Una pointed directly across from the doorway. That's a secret door leading outside into the mountains. Somewhere in here is a way down into the dungeons. Una, I... I'll wait here to guard the escape if needed. From here, you will need to delve deeper, and I may prove to be a distraction. Una considered her offer, but was curious as to her true intention. Interesting proposal. Yes. Yes, you should wait here. The three of us can move more swiftly then. Wait. Rasa. Okay, there's a spell on the door back out to the third room. If someone approaches this door... You will know. They nodded at each other. Lorvana pulled out the gem from Elaviv and peered through it at the secret door outside. Magic letters sprung to life. Yeah! Hey, wait a minute. Look at that! At another end of the room, she clearly saw the glow of magic letters outlining another secret door. hundred-foot stone brick wall stood in front of the approaching crowd. 
Lines of people weave the multiple switchbacks leading up to the top. It made Zoran's head reel. Benedict and I can pass officers, but you two, you two will draw way too much attention and possibly too much risk. She looked at Zoran and nodded in acknowledgement. Erlen, let's find our own way in. The tall Erlen nodded from behind the dark hook framing his pale face and platinum hair. It took but a moment for them to disappear into the surrounding crowd like waves on the sea. Ogres at the gates nodded to Dabria, and knew better than to question the presence of the unrecognized officer at her side. Dabria was a unique cleric they were well aware of. The centurion of Decion, master of the undead, is terrifying enough, but her disturbing focus around manipulating the pain of others could strike fear most of the Dark Army by story alone. Hence her nickname of the Mistress of Pain. They made their way up the huge ancient stadium range. The stadium was able to seat hundreds of thousands of people and towered 300 feet in the air. This was definitely a marvel to behold. Row after row was lined up all the way to the top, where the lower classes were forced to sit far away and so high that the unaided eye would likely see nothing. Those final rows were not even given a wall at their back to brace them from a tumble backwards to a gruesome death below. The officers were granted seating lower, alongside a booth in the center, shutting out 25 feet from their row for Pallas himself. The arena floor was made of sand, with the wall towering 30 feet around the perimeter, slightly angled outward and topped with long bladed spikes prevent any unwanted climbing. welcomed his bloodthirsty and beloved crowd to his games.
Hey. Hey, here we are. Zoran and Erlen made their way down the dark and damp alley between the barracks and the arena. Looking closely at the stone wall, Zoran found a small opening in the cut stone they could squeeze through. Okay, this looks like some sort of storage? What is... Wait, is that a palm tree? Oh, jeez, Erlen, hide! They quickly tried to hide themselves. Zoran ducked back into the shadows easily. Erlen's head darted back and forth frantically, trying to find something to hide behind. Hey! The barrel! Not in it, you idiot! Get behind the crates behind it! Yeah, yeah, good. Don't move. As the kobolds milled around the room gathering supplies for the arena, Zorin was able to move freely in the shadows, making his way to the mouth of the arena itself. Taking a moment to look around, he now saw that the room was filled with facades of scenes on wheels painted like trees or stones. Some small buildings with ropes to move windows from behind the slats were lined up, pointing out the huge door itself. As he drew closer, he could hear the deafening roar of the crowd above. This is going to be a huge production. An orb the size of a small orange appeared, floating in the air before Cordelia. It glowed dimly with a ghostly blue light, but not enough to draw too much attention. Otherwise, it was fully transparent. Wow, what's that? A magic eye? I can see what it sees. For now, it will scout ahead for us. What did you find? some glass bottles. Nothing in them, but I've got a few just in case. Mm-hmm. Wise. Let's continue on. Wait, is that what I think? Oh, wow. Uh, yes, let's press on. They walked swiftly to keep up with Cordelia's excited pace. The musty smell of the lower level echoed stale water, despite the surface's dry, cracked earth. Entering the next room, it opened to a doubled and vaulted ceiling faint mural depicting dragons and kobolds feasting together. At the end of the room, they found a crouched figure, and Cordelia's magic eye hovered slightly. The hulking body shivered in the dark recess of the room from under what appeared to be a red-orange sheet of thin metal. As a slow breath entered its great lungs, a deep voice boomed forth. Whoever you are, come no closer. We mean no harm or intrusion, oh great one. Great one? <laughs> you, you certainly have nice manners. <laughs> the form raised from the ground. A shimmer of light now dancing over what was suddenly known to be shining copper scales. He stepped into the light, revealing a thirty-foot-long dragon. His scales gleamed like a copper penny, 
though age and wear might have dulled them slightly. A huge chain clattered across the stone floor from a single leg. The faint outline of a great doorway could be seen on the other side of his body. He lowered his powerful head down to the group, and though they were awestruck, they noticed they didn't feel overcome with fear. Like with the other dragons, Lorvana stepped forward, smiling. Wow, you're so pretty. <laughs> well, so are you, my little friend. Oh, call me Lorvana, please. What is your name? <laughs> Chakos. It's not often I get many visitors as kind as you, Lovana. It's quite refreshing. That's so nice. <laughs> Sorry my friends are so quiet. I've never met a nice dragon before. Chakos's eyes seemed to dull slightly with sadness for a moment at this. I'm... I'm sorry that has been your experience. If it's okay with you, I mean... Lorvana held up her tiny hand, palm outstretched in front of her kind and harmless eyes. Chakos was taken aback for a moment. He could not remember the last time he was greeted with such reverence. He drew his head closer and felt her hand on the side of his muzzle. He smiled warmly. Thank you. That... Chakos, we wish to pass. Would that be okay? My friends, I... I have been bound here to protect the way through. I know not from who. I only know I must. Beyond here are held the betrayers of the kobolds. Can we not free you? That chain looks so heavy and mean. Chakos looked at the heavy iron, five inches in width, bent into two-foot reinforced wings. He brought his head back to look at the littlest member of the group. She could see years of pain, with a strong resolution behind his eyes. Even not remembering fully the reason for his fate, he would stay here. He would die here. He would guard this with his life forever. No, no, little one, I must stay here. If nothing else I know, I cannot let them leave. They hurt my family and killed my friends. They took my memory. you, Chakos. As your new friend, I promise. Mm, yeah. Yes. I believe your promise is stronger than this iron chain, my little friend. You may pass. They made their way down the hall past ancient sculptures and monoliths erected in the worship of what appeared to be dragons. Horns either curved to the front or flared behind their heads. Some were singular from the snout. Several formed a crown and a beard. I see every dragon here. 
The good dragons, like Chaco's too. Isanatha. Huh. She said good and evil are taught. Hmm. Yes. She did. But I don't know if she really knew what- Hush! Wait. Hear that? They began to hear a dark, forgotten language. Let's wait here. Go! The magical eye darted up the hall. Concentration. Uh, chanting. <sighs> looming over them. Also staring at the object upon the altar is... is... a red dragon. Wait, it's... changing? Into a man. Brosian Palace. Brosian Dekion. <laughs> well, Mortis and Sahak, I can feel it working. <laughs> yes, he is ready. The Dark Queen has opened his life force to us. Now, take it! Uh, red-haired man. With a red beard? Is he thin and wiry? Y yes Fury. Wait. Lord Palace's mount? Ha! <laughs> Don't let him hear you say that. He will never believe he is Palace's servant. Though we all know he is. On the altar is a man. His beard is braided in a a different way than I've ever seen. With bronze beads. The men have paused. They're uh, chanting. And one is holding some some twisted brass uh, scepter up to a dragon's mouth. Wait, no, it's 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 not a scepter. It's it's a tall vial or or vase, dripping dripping liquid. Ugh, the man is. And I can as blue, uh, blue white energy pours from his mouth and eyes. It's charging, charging the large gemstones in the room with 
Prosen Palas. Prosen Palas. Prosen Dekion. Prosen Dekion. They're pulling the spirit from these prisoners. Scottmere, Thoughtmere, and Sophie were ushered roughly out of their cells by the guards, finding themselves walking up a long ramp with a dozen other men. Covered in a network of bruises, Sophie noted the battered shoulders, almost like a yoke or a heavy weight was placed upon them. <coughs> Look at this one. <laughs> Boom! Hey! <coughs> Whoa! Oh, he's dead meat. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, brother. As they were shoved up the hall, a shudder ran through the brothers at the sound of a bloodthirsty crowd. Watches over us today, my friend. Fight well. Entering the red glow of the day, they saw hundreds of thousands of spectators roaring at their arrival. The stone brick and sandstone towered in every direction from the high wall, as far as the eye could see. Pillars and stands alternated in a dizzying pattern, swirling hundreds of feet into the air. Boom! <coughs> Sophie felt the kick into her back, knocking her forward. She was in shock at the scene around her. The sounds of the bloodthirsty crowd numbed her senses. These people wanted to watch them die. The more horrible, the better. Hey, I... I... Your heart hurts. They're all so horrible. All of them. Listen to me. Don't focus on those outside the ring. Just... Just survive. Do what you do best, Sophie. Fight. Palace and Dekion stepped forward and returned back and nodded Palace before his voice magically boomed into the arena and hushed the crowd. Wretches, wretches, brought before his magnificence, Lord Paris. I shall tell them. They are those that shall face your judgments in the ring of fire and blood. Tyrell, for your lives are now not yours. 
Oh, oh. Looking around, Skotnir saw the newest captives, some terrified, some resolute. He spat upon the ground in disgust, his proud dwarven blood boiling. These were innocent people committed to a dark, unfair fate. Maldros! We commit them to you, King of Gladiators! From the opening came Maldros the Dark, cloak flapping behind his hulking form, red eyes glowing. Sophie froze as if a wave of memory hit her. She found herself in an arena, not unlike this one, twin daggers in her hands. She felt acrobatic, confident, and a bit cynical. She sees Maldros, clutching a wound at his side and kneeling, a wound delivered by the crude, orcish daggers in her hands. Were they her hands? Was this even her memory? She turned her head in the arena to see Zane standing next to her, with the same daggers in his hands, blood cutting through dirt and dust on his cheek, his characteristic crooked grin. And despite all this, he turned to Sophie and smiled. <laughs> I never finished that story on our way to Firstport, did I? I like being able to share them like this now share my memories with you. Hey, I got this. I'm with you, Sophie. Always. The vision faded. She saw Scottman's puzzled face. Uh, you alright? I... I know him. Well, not me, but Zane does. The first event was announced to be six people, all from the Chariot Deathmatch. When the booming warhorn sounded, one member immediately cut the throat of the man next to him. Someone only yesterday saved his life on the battlefield. Panic entered the eyes of a young man who ran in terror from them all. Another dropped to his knees, dropping the weapon on the ground, arms outstretched, refusing to fight. An anguished cry erupted from his cracked, chapped lips. As another man drove an axe into his back, ending his nightmare. This is horrible. These were our men. Yes? Dabria turned to Benedict. Benedict, our goal was to find out what he planned to do next. Don't you see? See what? Wait. Oh, no. A wave of realization poured over his soul like the quench of a fresh blade. They had found what they had come for. Lord Palace was going to strike Garnet Keep. We need to get out of here and get back to war. Behold the slain before you all! They die for all your enjoyment! Next, we bring you two brothers, dwarven sons of the Garnet Mountains. Benedict's eyes grew wide as the two brothers walked into the dust together. Scottmere. I have a feeling your mind has changed about leaving them. Not without him. I swear it. Good. Let's see if we can get to where they leave the arena. I have an idea. Once the match starts, we're... Oh no. Cheers became deafening as their challenger entered the arena. It was a 35-foot blue dragon. His scales battered, 
wings torn and bent to odd angles and places, but more notably, his face destroyed and one-eyed. She knew this dragon too well. Witness the mighty Azure! A lifetime of battle served, he wishes to continue to kill for your enjoyment. This is my honor and fate to die for you in this glorious arena. And I will do so happily. <laughs> but... He dropped his head low to stare at his enemies with one massive black-rimmed, yellow-orange eye. Azure was now being honored. He knew he would no longer fly, and this would be a glorious death this day. Lightning crackled between the teeth of his sneering maw. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> and not to you, maggots! Lorvana, Cara Danvers, Isanatha, Haley Munoz, Una, Becky Ashley, Chacos, Scott C. Brown, Scott Mir, Colton Jansen, Thoughtmere, Storm S. Cone, Ogre, Mike Ashley, Dekion, Matthew Bianchi, Fury, Barrett Giant, Azure, Keith Martin, Guard, Ryan Vandicap, Kelvin, Scott Blankfield, Orc Centurion, Elric Atchison, Orc Guard, Harlan Guthrie, and Patrick Mendelson, Lord Pallas, Ian Wilkinson, and Keldor the Narrator, Mike Atchley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list can be found in the show notes. If you would like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any of our podcasting platforms and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address we can send it to. In the next episode, can they free the secret prisoners out of the temple? And can Scottmere, his brother, and I survive the notorious blood pits? Until then, fellow adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath. <laughs>